when he asked me to come out and preach, I said, you want me, what do you want me to preach about? And he said, about 20 minutes and then sit down. I'll see if I can accommodate that. Forgive me for drinking water. I have a dry mouth right now. I don't know how to solve it, except with a little water from time to time. So you may see me licking my lips and carrying on. So, Well, I've been uh, preparing sermons for a while, but this particular sermon uh, is special to me. It's... Uh, Well, it just, it just speaks to us about trusting God and not ourselves. That's the bottom line. Trusting God and not ourselves. I put a title on it, Are You a Tumbleweed? A Drifting Tumbleweed. And I'll explain that about halfway through the sermon. We'll see how that ties in. But, but ask yourself as we go through this, am I a tumbleweed? I'm going to put this right here. We got the scripture right here. Um, I am from Knoxville, Tennessee. Went to University of Tennessee. Went to Southwestern Seminary out in Fort Worth. And uh, been in ministry however many years that is, since 83 when I graduated. 35, 40, something like that. Been retired a little bit. I did pastor a church south of Tuscaloosa called New Haven Baptist Church. Uh, and that was, uh, that was a joy to do as well. You'll want to uh, open your Bibles to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 17. And I want us to look at what I call corresponding opposites. Corresponding opposites. Now, an op- a corresponding opposite would be, for example, high, low, above, below, hot, cold. You can see where they're opposites and they correspond to each other. And I want us to look at that in our scripture to uh, see how we can uh, put together these corresponding opposites and learn from them. Now in uh, Jeremiah 17, particularly verses 5 through 8, we'll see that verse 5 relates to verse 7 and verse 6 uh, uh, relates to verse 8. Let's just read that scripture and uh, see what we can find from it. If you'll open your Bibles. Jeremiah 17, starting with verse 5. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who depends on flesh for his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. He will be like a bush in the wastelands. He will not see prosperity when it comes. He will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. It leaves, its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Now I want us to particularly look to begin with at verses 5 and verse 7. These two are the corresponding opposites I referred to earlier. In verse 5, we find that man is cursed when he places his faith or trust in man. Scripture says, cursed is the one who trusts in man. Cursed is the one who trusts in man. But when he trusts in the Lord, he is blessed. So if you want a blessing, trust in the Lord, not in man. 
Then verse 7 says, But blesses the man who trusts in the Lord. And that's what we want. Blesses the man who trusts in the Lord. Cursed versus blessed. Uh, cursed would mean atrocious, detestable, odious, um, not very favorable. Have you, ever, <coughs> excuse me, have you ever found yourself depending on something other than the Lord? It's, it's easy to do. The money gets tight. The car breaks down. The cupboard is bare. We find ourselves depending on our job to provide income. We begin to depend on others to make it through a crisis. We find ourselves complaining. Complaining about what we don't have instead of focusing on and rejoicing in what we do have. Do you ever find yourself doing that? Complaining about what you don't have instead of rejoicing in what you do have? I'm guilty of that. And most of us are. To some degree. Now, having a job or a regular source of income obviously is very important. We need to pay our bills, buy groceries, and so forth. And God expects us to do these things. He expects you to pay your bills. And take care of your family. Take care of yourself. We need to keep in the forefront of our minds that God is providing the source of our income. He is the one we should be trusting for all things. An example I'd like to share with you is I remember in seminary uh, when things were getting very, very, very tight. We had $8 to our name. Jack Buck was just about empty. And as I was going out the door one morning going to class there at school, my wife, Joyce, said, what are we going to do? And I said, I guess we'll just have to trust in the Lord. Because I knew he had called us there. I knew that I was at the right place, doing the right thing at the right time. So, that coming Sunday, we went to church, and I was serving in a very large church. They run about 1,500 on Sunday morning. And I was the single adult minister. Had about 100, 150 single adults that I worked with. And that Sunday morning that we were there, uh, it's just special to be able to feel God when you're there. Wednesday night, we went to uh, to dinner at their church. They had a regular Wednesday night meal. And uh, we got our tray and sat down and ate. And when I was taking my tray back to the uh, return window, one of the Sunday school teachers in our group came up to me and reached out to me to hand me something. And like you, or like me, you probably would reach out. Somebody's handing you something, you'll reach out and take it. And he put in my hands a $100 bill. I tried to say thank you. I was so humble. I, I didn't know how to say thank you correctly. Or at least I wasn't able to do it. So I went back and sat down next to Joyce. And I said, she said, where'd you get that? And I said, uh, the teacher's name was Doug. That's mine. Is. I said, Doug gave it to me for ministry. Uh, and I can't remember what I said after that. I like to think I said, well, he trusted me. God's the way to go. I don't know that I said that, but that is the truth. Trusting God is the way to go. Well, next Sunday, I, I tried to thank him a little bit better. 
and still fumbled and mumbled. So Monday morning, I, I took a little card and wrote to him, and I said, Doug and Barbara, thank you so much for your gift. Thought you might want to know how we used it. We had a utility bill of $85. My daughter's birthday is this week, so I used something to buy her a little gift. And we gave the rest to the uh, Golden Missions, which is the uh, home missions thing there in Texas. Thank you very much. Well, saw them Wednesday night, and I was able to say thank you a little bit better. The next day, Thursday, in the mail, Joyce opened it first because I was in class. Came home and she says, look. And Doug and Barbara had sent us a check for $200 and said, just for fun and games. <laughs> they didn't know how much fun that was. It, <laughs> we, uh, we were, I won't say desperate, but we were definitely down in our money. It was Doug and Barbara, I'll never forget them. They were uh, good people. And they were people of faith. When we begin to look at anything other than God for our strength, our heart will begin to turn toward man instead of trusting God. Now, I believe God used man in this particular example to uh, assist, assist us, to give us help, to provide for us. But that provision wasn't from Doug and Barbara. It was from the Lord God Almighty. He's the one who supplied us with that. When we uh, look at anything other than God, we'll begin to turn toward man instead of trusting God for all things. This becomes a curse. Verse 5 says, Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who depends on flesh for his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. You see, when we trust man, we become hardened and our heart turns away from the Lord. We get bitter and leave room for Satan to slip in and cause havoc. And he's done that, I'm guessing, in your life. I know he's done it in mine. We take our eyes off Jesus as Peter took his eyes off of Jesus when he was on the water and he began to sink. How many times have you and I sank? Uh, one or two. I'd say. <laughs> you probably know someone who is bitter because they have it, things haven't gone their way. You know somebody like that that's bitter? Just, they've just had a bummer of a life and they're bitter about it. They lost a child, they lost a husband or a wife or a parent and they were bitter about it. Why did God let that happen? And we don't have the answer for that this morning, but Verse 7 says, blessed is the corresponding opposite, or rather, in verse 7, blessed is the corresponding opposite to cursed. That's in verse 5. You can see how this begins to relate. Cursed versus blessed. Uh, but blessed is the man who trusts the Lord, whose confidence is in him. Blessed is, is perhaps divine, godlike, godly, holy. I don't know about you, but I like being blessed. That's, that's more fun. And being cursed. The way we get blessed is by trusting in the Lord, by placing confidence in Him, placing your confidence in the Lord. Trust and confidence can be likened to turning on your water faucet. You ever thought about that? How you trust your water faucet? You go up to the to the sink, 
turn the handle, and water comes out. So think about where it comes from. You don't you don't guess if it's going to turn on or not. It just does. You have faith in that water uh, water pipe. Um, you have confidence in in uh, in that when you turn the handle, the water comes streaming out. Trust is like stepping on the brakes in your car. Have you ever thought about that? How you're trusting your brakes? You don't think about it. You just put your foot on the brake and the car slows down or stops. And that's the kind of faith we need in, in the Lord. We just believe it. And we trust it. When we trust the Lord, we can have a greater confidence than when we turn on the water spigot or put our foot on the brake. You can trust the Lord God Almighty. He is my favorite verse in all the Bible, Proverbs 3, 5 through 7, speaks so much to me, and I use it so many other times. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear and shun or depart from evil. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't, don't trust in man to take care of you. Because man will forsake you. And you may have a good friend that you trust, and that's great. I have a friend in Nashville. He taught me his best friend. And, and we have great trust in one another. But uh, I have a greater trust in the Lord than I do in Mike. I trust in him for all things. And we need to acknowledge the Lord God Almighty. Father, you are hope. Father, you are Jehovah Jireh, the provider. Lord, you are my friend. Lord, you are my Savior. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Now, God is telling us right here, have respect for Him. Fear Him. But but our, our task is to get away from evil things. You know when you're about to do something bad, or you know when you're about to go into a situation that will be tempting you to drift away from God, don't you? You you know those things. You know that's happening. So what do you do? You shun or depart from evil. You get away from it. Uh, Joseph, what did he do with Potiphar's wife? He ran. She wanted him. He said no. And he took off. That's how we get away sin in our lives. We say no. We shun it. We run away. We get apart from it. Now looking at Jeremiah 17.6 in talking about trusting in man says, he will be like a bush in the wastelands. He will not see prosperity when it comes. He will dwell in parched places of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. A cursed man. One who is trusting in uh, one who is not trusting in the Lord will be drifted along like a tumble. Here we go. You know much about a tumbleweed? Have you ever, ever looked at it closely? What it does? See, a tumbleweed's a symbol of the American West and the cowboys who represented a footloose, fancy-free lifestyle. They just drifted along. You might remember, some of them might remember the song from the Sons of the Pioneers. The tumbleweed song, drifting along like a tumble, tumbleweed. You don't want me to sing. <laughs> I remember that. The tumbleweed starts to grow and then disconnects from its roots. 
just driven along by the wind, nowhere in particular. It can be as small as a soccer ball and as big as a Volkswagen Beetle. Once it breaks away, it spreads seeds all over the place. Everywhere it goes, it drops seeds. From those seeds come other worthless tumbleweeds. The tumbleweed gives the idea of barrenness. A person can be similar to a tumbleweed being unproductive in life. You ever thought about that? A person can be like a tumbleweed that's unproductive. They would be blowing along aimlessly in their own efforts from one thing to another, living with rootless, selfish ambitions from day to day, and it is barren and unproductive. Not depending on God for insight and directions, the person does not see opportunities when opportunities arise. If you're not, if you're not making the Lord the center of your life, you'll not see the opportunities. He lays right out in front. You'll not see them. You'll be blinded to your own uh, lifestyle. You'll be blinded to your own selfish ways. But when you put the Lord God in front of you, He provides opportunities for you to minister, like your family that's out in uh, Wyoming. I think said Wyoming. Montana. They were out serving the Lord. Somewhere along the line, they had their eyes focused on God, and He laid on their heart a mission opportunity, and they're taking it. Praise the Lord for that. I think that's wonderful. Opportunities may slip through a person's fingers, even if it's in plain sight. The world loves bouncing along from one thing to another. It is ruthless and cannot grow in the wisdom and knowledge that God gives. Wisdom is not acquired through self-effort. So how do we get wisdom? James says, in James 1.5, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who generously, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Instead of being like a bush in the wasteland, Jeremiah 17, verse 8 says, He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to be uh, to bear fruit. When, when you and I are in the Lord, digging in His Word, digging deep, Planting the roots deep, just as, as the tree by the by the river, by the spring. When when hard times come, when when dry spells come, when hard times come in your life, your roots are going to be so deep that that you'll not faint. You'll know what God wants you to do. You'll have God's leadership in your life. You'll know who to call on, what to do, where to go what to say, those things will come to you when you are deep in the Lord. So instead of being like a bush in the wasteland, one who trusts in the Lord is blessed with leaves that are always green. This doesn't mean you won't have hard times in your life, because we're going to have hard times. The Lord tells us there will be hard times. This is referring to your spiritual soundness as well. Sometimes it's tough. 
when you're not really well founded. Now, even if you are, there's tough times spiritually you will have in your life. One who is trusting the Lord is like the tree planted by the water that sends out roots. A trusting believer will build a relationship with other believers. When a drought comes in their spiritual life, they will be nourished and fed by Christian friends. And that's one of the values of church. We are the church, not this building, which I love your building, it's beautiful. But you are the church. And when hard times come along, when a drought comes along, you're able to get encouragement from one another right here. You can call on the phone, you can text, email, you can write letters. They'll be nourished and fed by Christian friends. Having the word of God to read and study will give the food and water to lift up the body. When, when you get into the word and you study it, you just feel this nourishment. You feel the excitement, the joy of the Lord. And, and I encourage you to read your Bible daily. Uh, most folks have never read the Bible all the way through. As they say, from Genesis 1 to the maps. But you need to do that. Uh, I'm sure several of you have read the Bible many times. And the, the more you read, the deeper you go in your spiritual life. The more you know about God providing for others and for you. He'll do that. So, having the word of God to read and study will give the food and water to lift up the body. One who has built their life on scripture and Christian fellowship will not worry about our drought in their life. They have God, the Holy Spirit, the word, the fellowship to help. In the year of drought, he will always bear fruit. When you're in the word, you're going to bear fruit no matter what the weather conditions are, no matter what the Temptations are in your life, no matter what's going on, you'll bear fruit. The Bible says we need to be without sin to be in God's presence. You thought about that much? If you've got lots of sin in your life, God will not let you in his presence. You have to get on the knees of your heart and pray, asking God to forgive you. Repent of those sins. Change your ways. Follow him. King David says in his very first psalm, the same thing we find in Jeremiah. Let me read that to you. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whosoever, whatsoever he does prospers. Not so the wicked, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Walking in the ways of the Lord. Maybe uh, an illustration will make this more clear. About walking in God's ways. Uh knowing that the Lord watches over the way of righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's say I invited you over to the house for a big breakfast on Saturday morning. I told you I was going to make you an omelet. An omelet. Not just any old omelet, but a six-egg omelet. Big old thing. Big old one, as they used to say. So you come over, and while we're having coffee, I begin to prepare the delicious omelet that I promised you. 
I reach into the refrigerator, and I take out a carton of eggs. But when I look into the carton, there are only five eggs in there. But no worry, I, I remember another carton that I had in the back of the refrigerator, and I think it had one left in it. So I get it out, set it down. So I start taking the eggs, and I crack them on, put them in my bowl, crack them and put them, all five of those, and begin to stir them up. Then I remember, now I've got to get that other one. So I crack it, put it in there, and continue stirring. And then all of a sudden, this awful smell comes up. A rotten egg. Didn't know that. Now I've messed up the whole omelet. Uh, would you want to eat that omelet? Had five good eggs in it. She shaking her head, no, she wouldn't want to eat that old nasty omelet. I wouldn't either. Stinks. It's a rotten omelet. Not acceptable to you or to me. It's the same way with sin and God. You see, he says we have to be without sin to be acceptable to heaven. Well, how's that going to happen? If I know I've sinned, I bet you have too. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us have. Even one little sin, like the one rotten egg, makes us unacceptable and keeps us from going to heaven. But the good news is God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to take away the sin of the world. All we have to do is repent. Ask God for forgiveness and repent. That means change direction, change your ways. Repent. Accept, repent, and believe in Jesus as the Lord and Savior of the world and of your life. And when we repent and believe in Him, He will take away all of our sin. Isn't it something that He took away all of your sin and mine two plus thousand years ago? I think it's marvelous. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, that's you and me, that whosoever believeth that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, that whosoever believeth in him, Jesus, would not perish, but have everlasting life. That if you believe in Jesus, you'll have everlasting life. That means we need to confess our sins, repent of that sin, and ask Jesus to come to your heart and save you. Well, I'm a whosoever in that word for God. Love the world that whosoever believeth in him, I'm a whosoever, and I hope you are too. If you're not, you can be. You find yourself drifting along like the the tumbleweed we mentioned earlier. Are you just drifting along? Both as a lost person or as a believer, just not committed. You can find real purpose by trusting in the Lord and giving your life fully to Him. Jesus will add meaning to your life. Ask Jesus to come into your heart and give you meaning in life. Without Jesus, there's no fun in life. You may think it's fun, but it's not. If you really want to be happy and have fun, get into the Word. Get Jesus into your heart and your life. Praise Him, worship Him, follow Him, be obedient to Him. And that's when you're going to find real joy and real happiness. Jesus takes away the sin of the world. Our sin, your sin, my sin. When we confess and repent and ask Him to forgive us and give us the free gift of everlasting life, He will do that. He will forgive you and give you eternal life in heaven with Him. Have you thought about that? 
You thought about eternal life? That's forever. That's not just for 20 or 30 minutes on Sunday morning. Not just an hour on Sunday morning, two hours. But eternal life, and He'll bless you with that. If you're not born again, would you, would you give your life to Jesus this morning? Would you get on the knees of your heart and say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. And I'm outside your will. And I want to receive that gift, that free gift of everlasting life through your son Jesus. Lord, come into my heart, come into my life. Bless me with everlasting life. Perhaps you know you're born again. But you're not just real happy in the world. And you realize that the reason why you're not happy is that you're outside of God. You're outside of Jesus. You're doing your own thing. You're drifting along like a tumbling tumbleweed. No direction. The wind blows you to the left. The wind blows you to the right. You see something you think you like. You go for it only to find out that it's not what you really want. You save up money. You buy things. And you don't find joy and happiness in them that last. But when you give your life to Jesus, you will be happy forever. It's an everlasting joy. If you'll pray that, if you'll come into your life, He will. He'll forgive you and make you acceptable to get into heaven. Make you acceptable to get in. That's where I want to go when I die. I want to go to heaven. I want to be in the presence of the Lord God, of Jesus Christ the Holy Spirit of God. Can you do that this morning? Perhaps you realize you're not born again, that you've never given your heart and life to Jesus. And you have the opportunity, not only this morning, but any time, to give your heart and life to Jesus. This morning we're asking you to come forward, share with me or one of your deacons that you want to receive Jesus, or that you want to have everlasting life. Can you do that this morning? As I pray, I'm going to ask the pins to go ahead and come forward. And we're going to sing a, a hymn of invitation. And the door is open for you to walk in and receive Jesus Christ if you'll do that. Let's pray.